Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that can't remember what stage of the tax cuts we're actually up to. I'm Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. He is Andrew Ram Page, Esquire, no less, from strawman.com. Not even from strawman.com, the founder, the managing director, and yes, the chief cook and bottle washer of strawman.com. Ram, good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good. This is going out on a Friday afternoon. Of course, we're recording this Wednesday morning, which is Mm. topical and relatively annoying given what we know is coming over the next uh, 24, 48 hours uh, before this podcast makes it to air. I'm heading up to Port Macquarie for a couple of weeks, a couple of days, sorry. Bit of a long weekend getaway. My wife's got some work up there tomorrow on Thursday. So we're going to drive up Wednesday afternoon, spend a couple of days in the Australia long weekend and then uh, head home ready for school to go back. Uh, so there that sounds is, lovely. Yeah, it should be. It should be fun. I am um, going to keep my uh, keep my New Year's resolution, mate, which is not to ask you what strawman.com is. I'm going to let our listeners find out for themselves. Uh, but uh, just to, for those who've been listening, just know that I know that you know that I know that you know. That's that's all I want. <laughs> all I want to leave people with, um, mate. Big week. Big week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We uh, let's kick off with with the macro. We we try and start there. Um, sometimes we finish just quietly. There was an episode. Was it yeah. last week's episode where we struggled to get to two different discussion points? But let's let's do our best to uh, to get past that today. We'll make that a very okay. very low bar. Uh, Warren just Buffett don't is. bring up just don't bring up one of two topics. No, correct. We, be okay. we shall not mention yeah. either of those two things. Uh, good news is no mailbag, so I can generally steer us away from most of that. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the the big news made is stage three tax cuts. Mm. We I am. I am shocked on one level, not shocked at all on another level, uh, that the federal government is, as of recording, reportedly considering changing stage three tax cuts, as of listening, almost certainly has done so. And Albo is actually scheduled to talk to the National Press Club on Thursday. So again, yesterday in podcast time. Although, as you said last week, Ram, people probably listened to it on Tuesday morning, in which case it was four or five days ago. Uh, but uh, we will we will just touch on, touch on stage three, mate. Um, so again, what we know right now, what we think we know, and, and we're pretty sure because the same stuff's been leaked to every single news outlet, which uh, tells you tells you the government wants you to know things. Uh, mm-hmm. The original plan was to give a little bit of money to low and medium income earners, a heap of money to high income earners, uh, up to nine grand, I think if you're on $200,000, that was kind of where it maxes out the, um, the tax mm-hmm. cut. It seems that the government's decided to take some of that money from the higher income earners, or it was, bench- it was earmarked for them, and give it to low and middle income earners, increasing the tax cuts for everybody. They say, Albo said every taxpayer gets a tax cut uh, from 45 up to 150 grand. We'll get more than the original stage three proposals and the million or so taxpayers above 150 will get less uh, than the original stage three tax cut proposals uh, and or legislation, it's not a proposal. Uh, and the apparently the cost is going to be the same. So they've basically just moved the deck chairs around, taken some, when I say take money, you gotta be really careful here. No one's gonna be paying more tax, uh, but more tax than they would have otherwise paid. That has been legislated to pay. So that's kind of the facts of the of the situation. I wanna take this from a few different angles, but let's kind of kick off first with the, uh, the, the surprise or, or not. Uh, I gotta say, I was, I was pretty surprised on one level that they made a change. Having promised they wouldn't change stage three over and over and over and over again. Uh, according to the opposition, who obviously counts these things for political purposes, a hundred times or more than a hundred times, allegedly, uh, the government or government ministers members have said, nope, we're not changing stage three. They voted for it, remember, of course, uh, before the last election. They took a promise to the election to keep it. And now at the 11th hour, they've made some changes on a, on a purely 
political basis on one level. If you weren't going to change it up until now, I am really, really surprised. Mm. Except when you then think about the why. Let me be a little bit cynical here. This is a government that is bleeding support, that has mentioned the cost of living in every single possible press release, interview, conversation, doorstop since the new year, who made a big song and dance, a lot of theatre about calling the MPs back to Canberra to deal with the cost of living crisis. And then all of a sudden we have money being thrown at a whole lot of people and the government gets to throw more money at more people by changing the tax cuts. So I think there's there's a few things. There's the economics of it. There's the politics of it. Uh, and, and frankly, whatever is in between, the idea of, you know, trying to, I guess, you know, there's some, there's some reasonableness to the, to the idea. So let me, just, let me just start there, mate. Are you, are you surprised uh, by the tax cuts? Are you, did you expect this to happen? Uh, what's, your, what's your take on, on what has inspired? Let me get that out. What has transpired this week? Um, look, it's, there's a lot of things that sort of happen where you think, oh, like you're surprised when you first yeah, hear it. And then, right. and then on pondering it for more than a second, you go, yep. why am I surprised? Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. Never, ever, ever bet against self-interest, mm-hmm. right? And, and yeah, right. I'm, the only surprising thing yeah. is it took them so long to read the room. Yeah. Um, you know, right? I, the post, it, the, the, the polling must be terrible over Christmas. I'm asking like, oh my God, we better do something all of a sudden. Yeah, like I, I mean, I, I, I get the political calculus here, mm, but just mm. like, what is, is it? I don't know. This is it's hit a critical mass in terms <laughs> yeah, of feedback. Right. They go, okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. what political damage is done by breaking a promise? Mm. I would say very little mm. because we're all so cynical and we're just used to it. It's just like, oh, you know, shock horror. Politician breaks <laughs> yeah. promise. Like, you know? <laughs> that's right. You know, you might shake your fist at the sky for oh, a, for yeah. a second or two, but then yeah. it's just like, why am I surprised? You know, so that yeah. there's. There's that. Um, yeah, and I, 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 do, I do think it's the, – the biggest thing for me is that how they can hold two very disparate thoughts in their brain <laughs> at the same time. In that they you don't want know to fight the, the, the cost of living <laughs> and yet you want to give everyone more money. Oh, I know. Um, That's the – so, yeah, go on. You come. You go. Yeah, well, it's, that, 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 that to me is the madness. I, I, I would – the, the other – broader point I would make is because it's very the way that the media is these days mm. and probably has always been I guess is, is that you know we're, we're going to sort of kick this thing around uh, and, and the media is going to kick this thing around for the next however long <laughs> but the bigger question here is what do we want the tax system to look like there's a whole bunch of services mm. that we expect from the public sector um, they've got to be paid for somehow, yeah, yeah. Um, and and there's a whole bunch of different ways you can you can do that. Mm. And so this is, and let's let's get into it. But this is, to my mind, a tinkering when there is far more fundamental things that could and should arguably be done. Yeah. It's actually top of mind for me at the moment because I'm going through. Um, the process of doing my tax, and yes, I've left it <laughs> way to the last minute here. Um, but it's nightmarishly complicated. Um, it's ridiculous. At least it is, it is isn't ridiculous. it? It is so complicated. Yeah. I'm trying, I'm digging out phone bills and this, and yeah. what percentage of time did I do that? And then it just, it's so, and I, I do lament, particularly as a business owner, mm. you think, gosh, I, the amount of time I spend on admin and this kind of useless stuff rather than trying to provide value yeah. <laughs> to my customers is, yeah. is just insane. So I, I feel as though I'm very big mm-hmm. on the idea of tax reform. This is, has its, 
as its pros and its cons. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm keen to hear your thoughts on it because I know you're much deeper in the weeds than I am. But it just it feels as though it's if, if we were going to to go down this path of changing things, I would much rather big structural changes. Mm-hmm. And the final point I say, and no one really talks about this, my my bigger concern is not so much as how you get the money, although that's super important. I don't I don't think it's not important, but it's more about how you spend it yeah. is is usually what angers me more than <laughs> it's that side of the ledger than than the is the in, it's the right. expenditure rather than the income that tends to boil my blood more often than not. But I know as I said, you're mm. you're uh, you've been tweeting up a storm um oh, on know. the stage three t- tax cuts. So this this is this is my invitation to you to <laughs> grab grab the soapbox and, and let's have at it. Sit back everybody here we go. No I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Settle in. Yeah that's right. Thank you, mate. I appreciate it. Um, it so I think that, and there's so much. There's so much to say. So much to mm. say. I, I, the tax system is fundamentally broken, right? And so yep. whenever you talk about a, a a proposal, it's like, well, okay. In the context of everything else, it's rubbish. Is this slightly? Mm. Does it make it slightly less rubbish? And that's that's mm. okay. And that's you know they say politics is the art of the possible. So that's where we are. Mm. Uh, I would do a absolute truckload of stuff if I was treasurer. For, I don't need three months and then no one would ever vote for me again, but I'd get a lot of stuff done. And by the way, some people hate what I would do. Some people love it. I think, you know, I'd, I'd try and do it reasonably fairly. First thing I will say, mate, is I will get less of a tax cut under the current, under the proposal. So straight out, mm-hmm. it is not, you know, if I was going to be self-interested, I would say, hey, elbow, hands off, give me my, my money. Um, that's not my view. Uh, but so let, let's rewind. I have said for a long time, including on this podcast, I'm sure, although we haven't done it for a while, actually. Um, I think the, the stage three should be cancelled outright. Mm. There is no justification for increasing government debt and increasing the structural budget deficit to buy some votes. Uh, if people think they're paying too much income tax, that's reasonable. Then we have to find alternative ways to match that funding, either raise taxes elsewhere or cut spending elsewhere so that these things are the very least cost neutral. We have a structural budget deficit, which means over the cycle, we borrow more than we pay back. We, we run up the national credit card. Some years, yeah, we pay a bit off. Most years, we, we add a bit to the debt. That is unsustainable. And the level of debt, by the way, is approaching a trillion dollars. So we have, mm-hmm. a, we have a slowly but very obviously burning platform. Mm-hmm. And in that environment, giving... And I won't, I'm not talking about who gets it just now. Adding, reducing revenues while not reducing expenses is madness. So mm-hmm. either we should be matching. So I've said three things about, about stage three as originally proposed, mate. I said they were uh, unaffordable and irresponsible. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. Second mm-hmm. is they are inflationary. And thirdly, mm-hmm. they were unfair because mm-hmm. I don't think it's... Uh, I've had a, very, a lot of arguments on Twitter and people will hate me saying this on the podcast as well. I don't think you can justify giving someone on 200 grand a $9,000 tax cut while someone on 50 grand is doing it tough trying to put food on the table. Uh, it just, it, it, I just, I can't come. Again, I would, I would save, I would save money, make money, you know, pay less tax, whatever. Under stage three, I, mm. I and I, I would love that money, man. I'm actually a little bit, you know, I, I'm glad they made the changes, but part of me is disappointed because, like, oh, I kind of would have liked that money. I could have spent it or invested, mm-hmm. it and I, I kind of feel a little mm-hmm. bit ripped off, even though I was out there banging the drum saying, "Don't give me the money." So it's, it, you can have those two thoughts at the same time, right? Yeah. So look, I wouldn't. They should, they should cancel stage three altogether or fund it. I don't care which one. I mean, you know, we can argue about which programs get cut or which other revenue should be raised. But at the very, 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 very least, it is deeply irresponsible for either party to support, put this through, having voted for it in the in the, in the, the last term of the Morrison government um, or the LNP government, the Australian government. The, it's, just, it's just an irresponsible tax cut. They're putting $21 billion worth of money, new money into the economy. So firstly, mm-hmm. that makes government debt worse. 
It makes the structural deficit worse. That is grossly irresponsible. Secondly, it adds to inflationary pressures. It just does. Mm. Mm. Which is, again, in the context, irresponsible. It is less unfair than it was. So I, I kind of, I'll tick that box and say they've, they've at least addressed that bit. But overall, I think, I think, it's, I think it's terrible policy. Now, people mm. say, you know, hang on, I want to pay less tax. I want my tax cut. They're not spending it well enough. Those things are all fine to say. Some of those things are true. Some of those things may be self-interest. It's probably always a mix of the both. And that's fine too. All I'm simply saying is, if you think the tax cuts are justified, fine, but they shouldn't be provided until and unless there is matching revenue increases or cost reductions to match. If I want to mm. go and work four days a week and get bring in less money, that's fine, but I can't mm. st- keep spending what I was spending or I got to find somebody else to do that other day to make the money back. Now, it might be sending the, the kids out down the salt mine. It might be cancelling my, you know... Um, uh, my new brand new Carly's or my brand new Mercedes, which I don't mm. have because I would never have a Carly's, but let's let's just have the fun of it. Um, <laughs> you know, you choose, you can raise money elsewhere, you can cut your spending elsewhere. You can't simply say, I've decided to work for, you know, four days out of five and keep spending what I'm spending. That is just grossly irresponsible. So that's, well, that's you my can. issue. You can. <laughs> you can, yes, true. <laughs> you shouldn't. You'll, there will be consequences. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and that's it, yeah. that's it, right? So by the way, some people say, at least we're not as bad as everybody else. And you've talked about US debt before. And I'm kind of like, yeah. well, yeah, but being the least sick bloke in the hospital isn't the objective. You know, it's like, well, yeah. at least, at least he, I've only lost one arm. He's lost two. It's like, well, that's <laughs> yeah, okay. But, you know, mm-hmm. can you be happy yep. you're not at least as bad as that bloke? Sure, I'll part of you, but part of you would rather both arms, right? So, yep. so there's yep. that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, and by the way, for all of my objections to stage three, the fact it was changed has nothing to do with why I objected to it and everything to do with the politics, as we've just said. So even mm. those who will take a victory lap today, this week, and say, oh, they changed stage three, I, I was right, I got it. They didn't change it because of policy. They didn't change it because you were persuasive. They didn't change it because they'd realized the error of their ways and you were intellectually more, more correct or, or more persuasive. They looked at the numbers and went, if we don't do this, we're going to be voted out. So, so let's be really honest. Now, we'll take the outcome, right? If you, think, if you agree with me, yeah. and people may not, that uh, that's, this is fairer than how you get there is still worth getting to. However, let's be real. This there wasn't it was not a win by the by civil society who managed to convince the government they should change their their approach. Right? This is this is pure self interest uh, dressed up as anything else you want it to. And there'll be Labor supporters out there who will dress it up as much as they possibly can. There'll be those who argued for it who said, "Oh, look, I'm right. I did this." No, no, no. no. This is this is just pure self interest up up front. They're, they're only lucky, frankly, they had stage two to do it with. Because if there's no stage three tax cuts and people were still doing it tough right now, they have to find some money somewhere else to make these people happy so they get the vote. So at, at, at one level, at least, the broken promise is the least worst outcome for the government because they get to say, mm. it's revenue neutral. It was always going to be given away anyway. We're just giving it to different people, which is about the, the least defensible argument you can make. So, uh, mate, Can I just a, add, yeah, add, please, add one, please. one thing to it there? And, and you're, you're right in everything you say. Yeah, well, in my opinion. Obviously, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but the... Uh, the one thing I would challenge mm. is is um, in are you better off? Yeah. So yeah, you know, nominally you're better off. So I just looked up the table. So let's just pick a number. One hundred eighty. If you're on one hundred eighty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, you were paying fifty one thousand. You will now pay forty five thousand under mm-hmm. the sort of current stage. So you're about six grand better off. Yep. So after tax, your your take home pay is about four point six four point seven percent higher. Yeah. Yeah. So you are better off, mm-hmm. right? Um, but if the inflationary impulse is equal or greater <laughs> than right. that, you are worse. So again, yeah, we've correct. got to talk in terms of these are all the the, the numbers are kind of arbitrary. What mm-hmm. really matters is how much effort do I have to put in per unit of consumption? Yeah. And 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 if, as I say, maybe not. But you know, all else speaking, being equal, if that if that inflationary impulse is of that magnitude, mm-hmm. you're actually not 
better off. You 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 feel better off because the number is higher. <laughs> but you know, it's 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 just like you know, earning a hundred grand in nineteen eighty five was an incredible. Salary. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know? And it's just like yeah. we so. It, it, yeah. I don't know. I just want I just want to make that point. No, it's, it's, and that's what's so that's what's so counter. Uh, productive about this whole affair, yeah. to my mind. Now, now, to be fair, if there was no tax cuts at all, you'd be four percent worse off. So, so at, at, at one level, yes. at one level, it's still better than it would otherwise be. I do want to touch on the, but, but, you know? but if, but if it didn't input, if it didn't push inflation, right, higher. exactly, exactly. So you've got to, you've got to. I mean, and we don't know what the inflationary impulse will be, but Correct. that it's more the real, real income that matters rather than the nominal income. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yes, there's. I'm not going to get back into housing, but with with the exception that debt remains the same. So depending on your circumstances, there are there are benefits in real and nominal yes. from different directions. That's true. Um, that's which true. we'll talk about another time. I, no, I think that's a really really good point. And by the way, um, an ANZ number I saw quoted. I haven't read the uh, the report, so again, I can only kind of say it was reported as having said. Um, but ANZ apparently believe that. The $21 billion worth of stimulus. And by the way, this uh, the new version of Stage 3 is exactly the same cost, allegedly, as the old Stage 3, mm-hmm. um, according to the news reports we've read thus far. ANZ reckons that is a, the equivalent of about half a percent in rate cuts. So that's the, <laughs> that's the other part of this, right? So it's like, yes, you're getting more, and some of that's inflationary. And mm. yes, at some, at some level, you're making up for some inflation. At other level, you're causing some. But also, too, if you're a homeowner who's paying a mortgage, Again, ANZ's numbers are, are back of the envelope, you know, finger in the sky stuff. There's no absolute guarantee. Mm. But their view is it's about the equivalent of two rate cuts. So mm. again, you take stage three off and say, okay, now rates could be half a percent lower. Now what? Mm. And so there are there are winners and losers right across the spectrum. And this is, we talk about the counterfactual a lot. And this is, again, just a bit of a lesson here is you can say we're now here, we're going to be there. What's the difference? And that's fair, right? We're going from no stage three to stage three. What changes? But what you can also ask yourself is what would have happened if stage three hadn't come mm. into effect so the rba won't jack rates up half a percent because of stage three mm. so on one level so well rates are no worse see it's perfect mm. what the, the counterfactual is what would have happened had the had the decision or the action not been taken is in anz's view it would have been half a percent lower so we mm. are absolutely there's an opportunity cost of this which is yeah. half percent of interest rates for the tax cuts that have been given i i would if you're going to go through a stage three mate i would at the very least delay it i would i would delay it you know so my preference is cancel it uh, my second preference is fund it mm. And my third preference is if you're going to do it, at least for the love of God, delay it, which you're not going to do, so that mm. we are in lower inflationary times at that point. It's always going to be upwardly, it's always going to put upward pressure on inflation, as the, as the polys like to say. But mm. upward pressure on inflation from an inflation rate of 2% versus 4.3% is very, very different. And so, you know, it would have made sense to say, you know what, we will do it if you're going to do it um, in, in either form, the, the current legislative form or the new one, but we'll do it in 12 months' time now. That's possibly passed an election. If you're a politician, you don't want to do that. You want people to have money now because that's what politicians do. So you know there, there's there is an element of Pollyanna in my in my thoughts. But the beauty the beauty is we can talk in terms of policy, not have to worry about the politics. And you know it makes mm. the policy jobs harder. I suppose you've got to be empowered to make the changes. So there is a reality to that. But uh, you know the, the, the politics is driving away too much of this, as it was in the last one, by the way. Um, so that this is this is where we find ourselves. I. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 the changes solve one of the three issues I've got. Doesn't solve, doesn't touch the other two. Um, makes it worse. Uh, the, I, for all of for all the changes that are made and have been made in this new period of government, the best I can probably say economically is at least they resisted the urge to spend more. You know, <laughs> when it came to the, the budget surplus, they took I think it was seventy five percent of the increase in revenue, didn't spend that. 
uh, Stage 3, they're at least not spending more than that. The early reports, by the way, earlier in the week were they'd keep Stage 3 and add more for lower income earners, which would have been an absolute debacle. Um, so yeah, that's where, we, that's where we find ourselves. Yep. <laughs> so depressing. It really is. And I don't even necessarily know what you'd change to make a difference. I mean, well, everything. And that's what your point about tax is really real, mate. Like, you know, I got to say, if it was me, this is a bit of a tangent, if it was me, I'd get rid of 95% of tax deductions outright. And then you could actually lower. Oh my gosh. And you could, you could I love, I love my right? tax deductions, right? right? So yeah. that, but that, that's where all my heartache's coming from Correct. at the moment yes. is trying to yeah. work it all out. It's like, why don't we just all agree that if you work at home, you can deduct this? Yep. You know, or whatever. Just just give like, right. so it's just an a, a outright a, a application of a set figure where I, you know. Do you know what I do? Though, I'm mate? sure if I, I would, I would just say no deductions. Here's two percent off your, your income tax rate. I, I just, I think, because yeah. that's what we're doing, right? You, you, you get claimed a little bit more than me. I get claimed a little bit more than you as deductions. Mm-hmm. Or we could both just pay, I don't know, two percentage points less and be done with it. Yeah. No, no tax return. No, or you know, a, a one-page tax return. The ATO has got yeah. most of the information anyway. You just press the button, and say yes, that's correct. You get, you're not paying thirty cents a dollar, you're paying twenty-eight, or you're not paying forty-five, you're paying forty-three, and as a result, you, deductions go away. It's just, yeah. it just and you know. and it, it it comes to me like. You know, because politicians, economists, they love to talk about productivity for good reason, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, productivity is real. You know, I want more bang for my buck, yep. right? I, that that is that is a really important thing for us to focus on if we want, you know, improving living standards yeah. over time. But yeah. it's like here's an easy way to improve productivity. Mm-hmm. If I'm spending less, like small business is oh, so the backbone of the economy. Is yep. the biggest employer by far. And we're making all of these brickies and painters and hairdressers mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, corner stores doing all of this nightmarish like admin where it's like, just take that away and they can spend more time doing the thing that they're there to do. Like it, it's it's such an easy thing. Mm-hmm. I remember I've mentioned this on the pod before too. We interviewed the CEO of a big accounting uh, listed firm. Right. And, and he basically said, I mean, it was not a secret. It's just like, Look, the, the tax system is diabolically complex and it is fantastic for us. <laughs> and yeah, right. and yeah. by the way, and you go, well, what if they change that? You laughed. Yeah. Right? It will never change. Yeah. If anything, it will get more convoluted and complicated over time. Yeah. You know, so I think there are- there, And not because it needs are, to, by the way, but because politicians will politic. It, it, yeah. it, there is nothing, just, just, to, just to really underline that, there's nothing inherent in the economy that says, oh, well, in the 20th century, tax needs to be more complex and in the 21st century needs to be more complex again. It just was because politicians decided they give a tax break here and a, a, a boondoggle here and a payout here and a subsidy here because they felt like they wanted to. It's a death by a thousand cuts yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. They're all like little incremental changes that in isolation might not be mm. entirely wrong. It's like, well, actually, this is a, mm. something that we should change. Yeah, let's change that. Okay, what about this over here? Okay, we, and then, you know, this yeah. Frankensteinian <laughs> thing just evolves <laughs> over time before you yeah. just think, whoa, this is so complex. And, you know, mm. um, anyway, uh, it's what do you what do you do about it? I I yeah. don't know. I think what you do about it is 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 what we're trying to do about it and what everyone can do about it. Just have the conversation. Yeah, I think correct. a more informed objectively informed mm, populace mm, mm. is going to vote more appropriately. Yeah. And and obviously I, I think human nature is never going to change. We're always and that that is that is you know, that is a, a daydream <laughs> to think that all of a sudden humans are going yeah, to be far more altruistic know, and know. you know so it, so that is that is never going to happen. Yeah. But I think if if you have a a more informed conversation. You can yeah. make the case that, again, while you may be nominally better here, are you, you specifically, mm. better off mm. in the long term? Yes, that's right. 
under these settings. That's right. You know, well, your pay might go up, but your living expenses might go up more. You know, so <laughs> exactly. make make those kinds of yeah, things. Or, yeah. or uh, you, um, you know, okay, we can get rid of this, but then then don't say goodbye to this this government service that yeah, you right. receive. Correct. You know, so we, we we have this wonderful ability to shake our fists at the sky because the healthcare system is falling apart, and yet we don't want to. Mm. pay for it or make any reforms that will sort of help that kind of <laughs> stuff. Right. You know, there's, there's, there's something that the, the, the books have to balance at some point, mm. you know, things have to be paid for in some way. And, <laughs> yeah. and I just, it's that, that's what you do about it. I think is you talk about it, you have the discussions yep. and, and you try and frame it in a way that sure, it might be sort of focused individually on you, but, but are you better off longer term? Yeah. Are your children better off longer term? That's, that's, the, that's perhaps the only thing you can do. I think that's right. I think also think about you in the broader sense. I don't necessarily mean the community, though I do mean the community separately. But mm. if you're looking at yourself, understand not just how much you get in the pay packet, but how is the, how is the community, the society, the economy in which you want to live, work, and invest impacted by this? Because you know, if you're a business, you need customers. If customers have got the money, guess what? They're not spending. If, yep. you know, if there's increasing crime, if there's increasing social unrest, if there's all these things can happen, I am... I, I think we know from history that the broader, the greater the inequality, the greater the social unrest, and frankly, the mm-hmm. more exposed and fragile an, an economy and a, and a country is to being rent asunder. And so you can't yep. one of those "be careful what you wish for" kind of things. I'm not, a, I'm not an absolute equality guy. Uh, I think capitalism incentives are really important, but greater inequality is very, very, very rarely linked with better outcomes. Um, yep. You know, you want equality of opportunity. That's yeah. the way yeah. I, I come down at that. I, I want no matter what your circumstances that you know you have the ability to rise to the top of the pile yep. that's yep. that's the equality i want i, I, I mean i mean i'd I love perfect equality but again right, you, yeah. you need to be realistic people have <laughs> you know people are just different and 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 some people will have uh, a capacity to be better at certain things than others and and it's yeah. kind of how it needs to be if you deeply deeply sort of think about it um so yeah, that's that's probably the way I'd frame it. Yeah, I like that, mate. That sounds that sounds pretty good. Hey, um, a couple of big changes in the fund world uh, reported this week too, and I think this is interesting for our for our listeners who are thinking about the structure of the markets and the economy uh, on one level. Not particularly important at a structural level, far more important, I think, for an individual, an individual investor. Um, these are the first is an area we don't play in much at all. Though we've talked about it a lot. Second is very different, but again worthwhile. So two headlines this week I saw, mate. One is that ETFs have now become larger than managed funds mm. for the first time. Yeah. Uh, now, ETFs, again, very broad church here. Anything that's exchange traded and a fund is an ETF. So yes, it wraps up the super low cost Vanguard, plain vanilla boring index fund and the hyper triple double leveraged oil, gold, China, mm-hmm. lithium.com uh, mm. ETF. Uh, because you know not all ETFs are passive, they're not a low cost. But yeah. the broad idea of ETFs have really, I mean, we know they've taken off and they've been growing for years. Uh, numbers this week apparently suggest that ETFs are now greater in size than the funds management industry, the non-traded funds, which I think was, again, inevitable, probably, certainly though remarkable in the in the event and the fact we're here, we're here. The other thing, mate, is um, uh, the I was reporting today, again, we're reporting this on Wednesday, recording this on Wednesday, uh, so it's worth saying as well, but uh, uh, industry funds, 
are continuing to really drive hard and they are getting the vast, vast, vast bulk of fund inflows. Um, it, it's one of those things, industry fund again, think about the not-for-profit. Um, plenty of people give me grief because they some of them are union affiliated. I don't know why you would care about that more than actually having money in retirement, but some people do and that's fine. Um, but but it is, it is remarkable, remarkable growth. Here's some numbers, mate. Australian super, the net assets grew by $41 billion in the year to June 2023. ART, which is Australian Retirement Trust, up by $40 million. $40 billion, I should say. Uh, Mercer was the third interesting app, up $38 mm. billion. Um, but it's just, it's just remarkable. Um, apparently, Australian Super uh, got 37% of total fund inflows uh, during... Wow. Fairness. Isn't that amazing? I, I, I had to wow. read that twice to make sure. Um, for existing and new members, yeah. Uh, which is which is remarkable. Uh, I'm host- sure they've taken that scale advantage and passed <laughs> that on with some lower fees. <laughs> well, the thing is, Australian. I mean, that's why I like industry funds because they're they're not for profit, right? So yeah, they could probably they could probably gold plate it. They could probably employ some more people. Or have a have a nicer mm-hmm. brand of caviar at, at lunch. Um, mm. Suffice it to say, there are some, they're going to give the money back, which is why I quite which why I quite like it. Everyone's, everyone's oh, it's better than course. better than for profit for sure. Well, yeah. that's the thing, right? It tends to it tends to be the case. Here's the here's the other stat which I thought was fascinating. Uh, yeah, Connexus is the research mob, and here's the quote: "Quote: Eleven funds received so eleven funds received 115 percent of all industry flows, which means the rest of the industry is in net outflow, mm. which is fascinating. If you think about the big guys getting bigger. Uh, yep. I, that that was amazing. I was I was really 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 surprised. He also says, "Quote: Outflows are concentrated in the four largest retail groups." So those, again, those retail retail funds are absolutely bleeding. Uh, AMP, Insignia, Colonial First State, and BT are the, are the big four. Wow. Um, so <clears throat> look, no, I mean, I, I, I frankly, I'm happy, uh, very happy. Um, it tends to be the case that industry funds outperform. The fees are lower. I have nothing against for profit. You and I invest in for profit businesses. You own one. I work for one. Um, yeah. No issue with profit. The profit motive at all. Uh, but if you can, if you can, as a consumer, an investor, if you can, if you can find a lower fee option because it is a not-for-profit then you absolutely should take it that's that's a healthy tension to have and at the moment at least as i said etfs outpacing managed funds and at the same time uh industry funds beating retail to the punch when it comes to super so some pretty significant changes i think yeah i mean i I, what's there to say there i I feel as though etfs a lot of great things about etfs um the bigger picture may be that it's sort of like the appeal here is is that it's you can't save in cash <laughs> you need to invest like you need to invest just yep. to stand still yep. um and it's sort of like that's i, I could do lament that in a way mm-hmm. it's sort of like the one of the core yeah um utilities of money is no longer fit for purpose in that it doesn't store value <laughs> <laughs> so there's this this we are all investors yes. no matter what our vocation we have to be because otherwise you're just holding just a, to keep a melting up. ice cube yeah. which is which is a little bit depressing and I guess if that's the case, it's far better to just go the passive index approach because, mm. you know, um, it's 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 very effective. It's very easy. I don't need a master's in finance <laughs> to do all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I we've talked about this before. It does it does change market dynamics to a degree, and I I don't I th- sometimes I think my my I, I flip flop on this. Mm. Um, when you have got, I, I was speaking to someone in the industry the other day, and they were saying the number of sell side analysts have been on a very significant decline yeah. over the decades. Yeah. 
and the and ETFs is, is is part of the reason why most a lot of the fund flows are just going straight in there. In other words, I don't need someone to sort of tell me which is the best investment now because I'm just gonna I'm just gonna index. So so I don't so I don't need you. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? I I tend to think it's a good thing for me personally. And again, <laughs> my my comments on self interest uh, from before are, are relevant here because it does it does lead to miss potentially at least on the margins and mm. maybe at least for a, a period a bit of mispricing where you will get companies trading. I, I, I notice this very much in small cap land where you look at some companies. Now, forget about the market cap, like the size, mm. and you put two companies, like a company you know, outside the ASX 300 and something in the top 20, and you say, here's what the PE ratio is, here's what the debt to equity. Just, you just you put a bunch of metrics that are out there, and they could be absolutely the same, mm. but the bigger one is going to trade at a much more significant premium. Why is that? Because there's no, there's none of these passive flows going into this other one. They're all going there, and you think, well, that seems like a distortion. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, it's probably a good thing because it gives me opportunities. And then where I say I flip flop is, mm. but maybe that, maybe it's maybe the. I'm keen on your thoughts, actually. Maybe the error is in thinking that this distortion resolves because if it doesn't, there's no outperformance potential. So I'm buying something out here mm -hmm. thinking, my gosh, mm -hmm. look at compared to the average market multiple, this yeah. thing is so, so cheap. Yeah. You know, when the market realizes the error of its ways, I'm going to make a killing, except the market never realizes the error of its ways because that's just the structural nature reality. of markets. Yeah, exactly. uh, yeah, the reality of it is, so I'm, I'm tying myself in knots here mm -hmm. and this is where I find myself intellectually on these things. What are, what are your thoughts there? Is that is that something to lose any sleep over? It's a really, really good question, mate. I there's an old quote: "The market can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent." That's I love that. That's so, so true. and the good thing about that, by the way, is it doesn't matter unless you're taking, you're taking on debt because solvency is effectively impacted by debt, right? So, yep. uh, it, it's a it's a it's a lovely quote and a big warning. It should be a warning for most of us necessarily. Now, we could say the market can remain irrational forever and you may not get the value you think is there, which is your point. Mm. And that's yeah. less pithy, but but maybe more appropriate for more people. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on valuation gaps closing on individual companies, but we also know that it tends to be true, not because it has to be, just because it tends to be, that price follows value over time. So if there is, and again, tends to, doesn't always, and doesn't always do it quickly, but tends to follow value. So if a business is, is better than, than the current price suggests, over time, the market is very likely to recognize that at some point. That being said, there are businesses that are just unpopular forever. Altria, the US cigarette maker, is one of them. We'll talk about ethical investing in a minute in a slightly tangential way, but it, mm. it had a low PE for for 50, 60 years, right? Never, and and yet it was one of the best performing investments you could have made over that period. Correct, correct. But, but the valuation gap, in quotes, never closed because yes, it was hated that's it, true. right? Um, yeah. Others, uh, CSL and Commonwealth Bank, perennial favorites. I don't remember the last time that valuation seemed reasonably supported by the fundamentals of either business. And yet, uh, the, the, the uh, you know, uh, investors tend to love them because they are considered quality blue chip businesses. Now, mm. on one level, if you'd believe that, as I did about CSL for the entire, my entire investing career, uh, I've never bought the shares. We did recommend them relatively recently, one of our services, but hadn't for years. I, I, was, I had my backside handed to me by not, not investing in the CSL for years, right? Because it always looked mm. too expensive. And frankly, it always was too expensive, except that 
the market continued to believe that that event, that price was worthwhile. And so I continued to be, you know, wrong, but I, I won't put that in quotes because I missed the opportunity. Now, at some point, you would assume in most cases, those gaps close. At some point, someone should realize Altru is worth more than the market believes. At some point, someone should say, hang on, I'm paying 40 times for CSL growing at 10% a year. That doesn't work. Uh, and yet, and yet, though, by the way, I'm picking numbers out of the year on both those, both those companies, but the, the, the direction is right. Um, that, that hasn't closed. So that being said, they are the exceptions because as I said, we know over time, PEs for the market tend to hover around the same sorts of multiples, sometimes higher, sometimes lower based on economic circumstances or history or sentiment. So the market as a whole has those issues, but those PEs tend to be stubbornly mean reverting. In other words, they tend to go back to the average over time. And so I think mm. that that proves out uh, at least an, an experience, not not a law, not a not a guarantee, but proves out that experience. I so I don't I don't think uh, I think it's reasonable that there's enough capital in the world to take advantage of mispricing where it exists more often than not. Is that, that's, a, that's a half answer because there are no guarantees and no certainties, but that's that's probably my best response. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And something you said there, I think, made a lot of sense to me, and respect particularly in, in mentioning Altria, is that you can... St- I, I think I have never ever... Well, maybe I should be careful with my language. <laughs> There's always exception <laughs> to the rules. I don't think I have, or I certainly try not to make investments on an expectation that the the market yeah. multiple will increase. In other words, I don't want to I don't want to bet on what you might um, uh, unfairly mm, call the, mm. the the greater fool theory. In other words, that the, the 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 price will go up not because there's any great improvement in the business, just because people are prepared to pay more per every dollar of earnings or sales or cash flow, whatever metric you, you, you want to um, talk about there. Um, it's always nice when it happens, but I never want to mm. bet bet on that. Mm. Um, when it goes, when it's way down low, as in the case of the cigarette companies, mm. you do tend to hit a lower bound there. It's not set in stone. It's no rule of the universe, <laughs> but yeah. you know, it, it is. It is very almost uh, not impossible mm. that you'll see a a company that is viable. Mm. With um, you know, where any reasonable person could see that there's there's still going to be profits for the foreseeable future to trade below a PE of five or so, you know it can always go lower, but it's it's quite easy on just an average ordinary day <laughs> to see a company on a PE of forty go to thirty five. Right, exactly. Lose five points. Yeah. It's it, it's less likely to see something on five go to two, mm-hmm. for example. Uh, the, the the magnitude difference there. Yes. And so at least when you get to those, if if you get to these companies that again, the key thing here being you know viable profit generating companies, especially ones that have the capacity to share that profit with with shareholders in the form of dividends, as as was the case mm. with Altria is that yeah. you don't need the market multiple expansion to do well. So that's that's probably that's probably the answer here is is that maybe if ETF flows are causing distortions here it doesn't matter mm. if you're able to get a return beyond what may be generated through changes in sentiment. Does that does that make sense? So if so for example so for those that that mm-hmm. um, aren't familiar with the story Altria uh, makes cigarettes. 
cigarette you used to call Philip dr- Morris for those who recognize the name Philip Morris but not oh Australia. yes yeah, yeah. I mean, and and smoking rates have declined very significantly um, over the over the decades, but shareholders still did incredibly well. So it, it feels like, wait a second, that's counterintuitive. How is it that that happened? Well, they'd already had huge amounts of um, uh, plant and equipment that had been invested, so you just need a little bit of maintenance. They're not mm. building anything new. There's no new growth capex. I'm just running these machines, making sure they stay oiled, occasionally replacing a part. And I'm just, I'm gushing cash. Now, what these companies did extraordinarily well was they let go of their hubris and they just said, yeah, we're going out of business eventually. Mm -hmm. And so let's just run it down. And they just paid out huge amounts of, very high percentage of their net profit to shareholders. So when you look backwards and you look at the total shareholder return, and you say, well, here's all the dividends I've received over the years. Plus, there were buybacks and all the rest of it. The PEs were very low as, as people recognized the writing was on the wall, so they couldn't get much lower. Mm. It just turns out that you did extraordinarily <laughs> well, like really well, yeah. because the dividends just compounded at a very high rate. It wouldn't have been the case, and this is, this is something you could write a book on, the amount of capital that has been torched because of the <laughs> arrogance and ego of management and boards mm. who re- who who – feel as though they must deliver growth and and take money from a business that may be on the wane, but invested in areas well outside of their areas of competence or where they've got no competitive edge whatsoever. And they just end up just setting it on fire, you know. It, 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 whereas yeah. while it is while it is never nice to sort of see a business slowly wane, you might be able, you might be far better off. And in fact, I would argue in many situations, much better off just by letting that happen, doing your best to sort of maintain it, but just making sure that you extract as much cash as is humanly possible along the way. You can end up doing pretty well, minimizing your your costs and the rest of it. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm. This is like a very rambling thought bubble that that I have no, here, a, but maybe one, maybe that's maybe that's the answer maybe don't worry about don't worry about it and at the other end of town it's sort of like well maybe that is it maybe Woolies a very mature extraordinarily mature business that on average over an economic cycle could probably at best be expected to grow maybe a, a point or two above inflation mm. it is normal for that to now trade at a PE of 25 forever and and in other words it's all. It, th- these are all standard. These are these multiples and the d- differentials between them become standard. Yeah. And don't worry about it. Just let the earnings growth be the, the north star in guiding your mm. in guiding your uh, your allocation decisions. I think that's right. Does that makes sense. It does. It does. My, my only concern with Woolies, and I, I've I've avoided those sorts of businesses for a long time. Is maybe it is, but then maybe it's not one day. <laughs> And yeah, let's well, that, my hand. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the risk, right? The, the, the if there is no there's bugger all upside multiple wise, um, and so if, if the multiple holds and earnings grow at five percent plus a few dividends, you get that return. That's fine. If you think about the valuation risk, so you plot it on a chart, the bell curve is way front loaded, right? The the idea of yeah. like, you know, may, maybe or back load, whichever you want to look at it, uh, depends how you draw the graph. Uh, you know, the, the, there's there's bugger all upside left. And so there's only downside. And so if the market decides all of a sudden it's only worth 15 times or 18 times or 20 times, that reduction, if it is permanent, and if the market did sort of go, actually, this thing is now post-growth and yeah, we were paying a little bit too much for, 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 for perceived certainty there, let's accurately value it based on a discounted cash flow or something else. Let's bring it right back and that's 20 times earnings. Mm. That 20% you lose is gone. 
you don't make yeah. that. You, there, there is no there is no way back. And yes, eventually the share price will grow as profits grow. And yes, you'll eventually get it back, but it might be five years of zero returns in the meantime. Mm. And so that, that's what's always stayed my hand is if I'm trying to beat the market, I need to keep up with the market and then do better. And it takes you behind when there's no reasonable... I mean, I, I make bad recommendations too often than I'd like, but it's rarely because... I've I've assumed a high multiple will, will be maintained because uh, there's no upside. I, if I make if I make mistakes and I, I pick bad stocks or, or get make bad investments, it's generally where I have a decent sense of the upside and the downside. I think the risks worth taking on both both lenses, but at least there's upside potential. When you're paying 25 times for Woolies or 20 times for CBA, there's not a lot of upside there. You know, again, will share prices grow over time? Yeah, almost certainly because profits will grow because they just do. The economy grows and everything else happens, but uh, am I so sure? That's a good bet. I'm really, really not. And again, maybe to my loss, but it just feels like heads I heads I win a little tiny bit, tails I lose a lot. It's like that's a that's a bad coin toss. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Can I give you an example? Please. Now this is dangerous because <laughs> oh, we, is- we love the old high wire without a net kicker. It's 10.01 a.m. in in our time on Wednesday. Oh, dear. Yes. Just before market close, a company called Nanasonics, who we may have talked about before. They they do a – they have a machine that – a trophon unit that that sterilizes Mm -hmm. endoscopic probes, and they've got some other things in the work. Anyway, they were trading at some eye-watering valuation because – a fortress balance sheet for one. Wonderful. I, I love the business. I think the business has got a lot going for it. Um, however, <laughs> however, uh, it was priced for perfection. A, a little bit of you could argue that the profit was dampened a little bit, so a lot of money was spent on developing a new sterilization unit for for another type of probe. Mm. Um, uh, uh, and and so there was a potential a new source of revenue coming through in a very large addressable market from a company that has established itself as pretty reliable and good. And you may see development expenses fall away. So may, I, I know the bulls will argue that, and I don't think it's a terrible argument. But it was trading for whatever it's worth. It's, it's, it's price earnings multiples up around 100 or so. But they came out with an update that looked uh, as though, wow, actually their revenue – didn't grow. It wasn't. It wasn't a disaster, by the way. But they're saying for the first half is expected to be two point four percent below the previous corresponding period. Again, mm. this is not a disaster. But I'm looking at my screen, and the pre-open price is thirty percent down. That's now, not, not to, ideal. That's not ideal. <laughs> so and I, I, I mentioned this in context of what we're speaking about because this is this is yeah. the danger of very high multiple yes, stocks. Exactly. Exactly. Is that because they they do make sense when when that growth is significant and sustained, mm-hmm. and we've talked many times before the dangers of trying to be you know quote unquote mm-hmm. too clever with mm-hmm. your valuations and trying to sort of be a little bit too fancy with extraordinarily high quality companies that have a, a, a you know decades of of very high quality growth ahead of them, mm-hmm. but if that growth doesn't eventuate, or even if the growth comes in pretty strong, but not as strong as people think, there is the the, the share price can take a huge whack purely because the PE multiple goes from 100 to 75, which is still a very high yeah. number, right? Yeah. And there might be an example of that. So I've got to be careful here because sometimes these indicative pre-open match prices don't always 
tend to be true. And maybe you know, within an hour, it's, it's not as bad, but it's probably likely to be pretty <laughs> bad. And, yes. and really come full circle on what we we're talking about here. This is where I think some people have some concerns over distortions that come from these passive flows because mm. it's just like, we're buying Nanasonics. Why? Well, it's in the top 200 and it represents this amount. So we're this percentage of the top 200. So we're buying that much of it. Mm. And you've got this constant buy pressure that sort of comes in and it elevates the price. And it can arguably exacerbate that. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's, you're right. This is exactly the, the risk. This is exactly the challenge. Um, uh, I, I don't know. Again, we don't know what'll happen with the share price during the day. Uh, seems like uh, it seems like it's going to be a good one uh, for Nanasonic shareholders, and that's 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 this is exactly right, mate. Um, now, the only thing I would say is Nanasonic's like others before it have has much more upside than a Woolies at a high multiple or a CBA at a high multiple. There, there is oh, yeah. there, there is a there is a trade off there that is, you know, may, maybe the share price craters never recovers, or maybe it recovers in a year's time. It's sold double the current price, and you go. I remember when the market got the short term, you know, Willies about that, and they were wrong. And you know, Amazon's had a high multiple for years. So at Enron, uh, they, they've ended very differently. So, you know, you, you're, you're absolutely right. But this is the challenge with those high multiples. You better hope there's enough upside potential to justify that sort of investment because mm. if you disappoint the market, uh, look out below. It's, it, it can get very ugly very, very quickly. And as you say, the pre-market pricing at least, and maybe we'll, uh, we might check back if we're still recording in, in a little bit of time. If we're still recording, he says with a laugh. Uh, we will, we'll check back and see, uh, see what the, the result is. I feel a little bit vindicated. I was just checking on, on my straw man page here. I had a valuation. This is, this is, gosh, this is always going to test your resolve as an mm. investor where you mm. kind of try and do your sums and you go, I really love this company, but gosh, look at the price, you know? And then, and then what does it do? It goes up and then up and then up. And then mm. all of a sudden you feel really dumb. It's like, why is it? I'm missing something massive here. And I haven't updated this for a while, so it's pretty dated. But it is, we saw the same with, I mean, we made the argument with Afterpay, right? Like you, there's a whole other yes, exactly. debate to be had there with the, the, the quality of the business. And maybe since Block took it over, there's there's some of that has been vindicated here. Or with, a, I don't know, a brain chip or these other ones where people will make the case, yes, but look at it, look at the growth, look how quiet quality is. It's like, yes, that is true. But as the late, great Charlie Munger said, no business is worth an infinite amount. And, and it is there is there is there is nothing more painful than saying nah this is too expensive and then watching it get a hell of a lot more expensive <laughs> and everyone around you make correct, a fortune correct, while you sit correct. there you know the poor value investor going oh, I'm, I'm right and it's like yeah you're right and poor yeah. and they're quote unquote wrong and much richer than <laughs> you so <laughs> That's right um, but it is it is it, it's fine until it isn't i guess mm -hmm. is the point i'm making which is you need to be careful with these things and that if if uh, i'll mention it again with prometicus you know i was like great company but gosh i don't think they're likely to have as a miss as much as as what nanasonics has but geez louise i i feel as though that thing has to grow at exceptionally high rates for a very long time and if it does you'll go okay mm. <laughs> and if it and doesn't yeah exactly on here's the situation you know right? you could yeah. it could it could be something like this yeah. so yeah. it's 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 don't i go what was my point my point mm. is don't get sucked into to the hype too much and remember that mm. everything even so i it's probably arguably better to have a very mediocre company 
in many ways that is absolutely dirt cheap <laughs> right. than a really high quality company that's trading on a P of a thousand, right? You, you may in fact do far better in the former. So, you know, price is what you pay, value is what you get. Yeah, you know what, mate? I mean, that's, that's frankly behind, uh, I wouldn't say Harvey Norman, for example, is mediocre, but that's why I own Harvey Norman shares. It's just, it's, it's a pretty good business. It's not gonna be, it's not gonna be, you know, it's like growth potential. Um, but when you're buying a single digit PE, it's well, not much has to go right. And you know, you, you, there's a decent amount of downside. I, I hate using the word protection because it applies to guarantee. There's not, there's not a PE no. of two can halve you a PE of one. There's no, there's no reason, very unlikely to, as you said, mate, but, but there's no reason it can't. Uh, just, and a PE of 25 can go to 24. Um, you know, what would you rather have? Well, in the event, if, they, if that's the final result, I'll take the PE of 24, thanks. Uh, but a PE of two can go to PE of three pretty easily and give you a better gain than, than, than the alternative. So, though, no, that's, okay. that's absolutely true, mate. I can update everyone here in real time. Oh, yeah, go on. Everyone's got this news, so it is is down 35%. Oh, brutal. Now, I'm not actually, look, uh, you know, I barely raise an eyebrow in small cap land. You know, that's a a Tuesday for a $10 million micro cap stock. Um, For a stock valued at close to $1.5 billion, that is an an incredibly large. I write the headline for the AFR right now. It'll be... 500 million wiped, wiped off. off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but effectively, effectively, yeah. that's what's happened. Yeah, so, sure. well, this is this is something that we probably will circle back on and touch on a few times as mm. earnings season approaches. So the, the first half of the year ended on December 31. Mm. Uh, companies have to re- re- release their results by, what is it, the end of February? Yes. Is the, is the last date. So in the coming weeks, I would expect to see some other, mm-hmm. well, maybe not as big as this, because gosh, this is a whopper, um, but some pretty big moves as the market yeah. digests information and as as preconceived ideas <laughs> are, are proven wrong. Maybe to yeah. the to to, yeah. to to the upside or the downside in yes. in many cases, yes. but. This is why we love this time of year. There's always something to talk about. <laughs> hey, mate, just just for just for sheer fun, literally just for the the amusement of the whole thing. Um, can you tell me how Kogan shares are doing so far this morning? Oh, I can. Stand by. Oh, up eleven percent. Hey, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> literally, what I have literally- we got? A bit. Business update out yeah, this morning. Yeah, I literally just opened that. I mean, I don't want to talk about it. It was just, it was just, just you know what? I, so I just um, was jumping on, on my watch list. Um, I own the shares, everyone knows. The, um, you know what's- f- Oh, no. I, I've got to do it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm reading, again, this is real-time analysis here. Gross sales were down 5.6%. Yep. Gross profit. So- so, so we've got. I'm just. I mean, isn't it interesting though? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, 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 you would say, what do you? Uh, if you could go back into yesterday and say, by the way, <laughs> I've got right. some inside information on you. Kogan is going to report <laughs> a 5.6 decline in sales. You go, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm so, out. I am yeah, that's out. Right. That's right. right. Huh, eleven percent up, and then you're going to go. Oh, Nanasonic's sales is going to go down to two point four percent. Like, oh, that's a point as well. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, you know. And here's the thing, mate. This is uh, it's 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 worth knowing. And as you like to say, what do you do with that information? Probably nothing. Mm. But share price share prices don't move on on the basis of the result. They move on the degree to which the result is different to the expectation. Yes, and that's all that matters. So both these companies sales down X percent, not dissimilar to falls actually. Uh, yeah. Now the the profit numbers are different, the results are different, but also yes. the expectation of the market was. Kogan's business is in trouble. It's going to do terribly. You know, blah, 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 fine. Nanosonic's a great business. Oh, sales through the roof. Everyone loves this thing. It's the best stock ever. 
that <laughs> much easier for Kogan to, to surprise on the upside, as they say, rather than and Nanosonics very very hard to outperform expectations, right? People are expecting yep. seventeen was seventeen percent sales growth something ridiculous, you know. Yeah. If I, you come out twelve percent, people are unhappy, let alone minus two. So yep. you, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I thought that was that was mostly the point. Uh, but the other thing I wanted to say, mate, is you mentioned thirty percent being a big fall and is like massive, right? Uh, except that I, I don't know, mate. If you asked me to pick a median, and this is this is massive availability bias and zero scientific effort going into this, but if you'd said to me, pick, you know, a a a, a much loved growth stock disappoints, what happens to the share price? Mm. I would have said the median result is probably twenty five percent fall. Mm. And I said because yeah. you and know, I talked about this in other earnings seasons, we've gone back or not gone back, but when you reflect on them. There's, there's normally half a dozen companies that fall about a third. And I, there's nothing magic about that. There's no there's certainly no bloody technical indication of that rubbish. But I do wonder if there is some, if there is some pattern to, not so, partly the falls, yes, but maybe, maybe actually partly the pre-earnings expectations. That, you know, there, there may be something, and, and I'm spitballing, mate, so please call me out if I'm just talking rubbish, but there may be something about the incremental multiple we're prepared to give some of these companies on the expectation of, of good stuff and that when you kind of mm. that when that when that hope that faith that that exuberance gets washed away about a third maybe maybe it's kind of you know i, I i'm again i'm massively spitballing but maybe there is that element of there's, there's kind of normal and then yeah. for the for the for the exuberant stocks that are about a third too high or, or, or there's a third of the share price which is hope and hype and dreams and some are fulfilled by the way I'm not saying every stock that's a growth stock is going to fall that much but I don't know that, that 30-ish percent it just seems really common and I, I just wonder if that's almost one of those you know we build in a little bit of hope and expectation when it's dashed that's the, that's the, that's the bubbly bit that's the frothy bit that kind of gets creamed off the top yeah and I, I think it it matters to so prices are determined at the margin. Yeah, so even yeah. on a stock where you might see a lot of volume go through on a particular day, it's probably that ninety five percent of shares didn't move. Yeah, they are yeah, totally some, right. Something like that. Yep. And that's not and that's not to dismiss the val- validity of the move because the the, the thing you have got to remember is that that other ninety five percent could move and may eventually move. So you know it's not it's not just to sort of say don't worry about share prices. Only a you know one or two percent of the the shareholders are actually doing anything on on a given day. But I do notice it uh, particularly as this horrid term that you know I hate with retail investing. Uh, um, uh, capital becomes a more significant player. And again, I mentioned the, the GameStop saga the other day, which I thought was fascinating as a story and well, well worth watching the movie Dumb Money in my, my <laughs> humble opinion be, because yeah. of that. And I think that the, the lesson is here is that you've got, we've got investors, you've got mm. the market, but mm. there's so much diversity in terms of the players. There is, there, we'd like to think that there are all these um, very rational, objective, cool, calm minds mm, mm. in a room with lots of good information making these decisions. And that's, that's part of the market. Mm. But you've also got a lot of people on a Robin Hood app yeah, on their phone. Right. Exactly. And they're buying it. Why? Yeah. Because they read something on Twitter and the share price is going up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you get this washout of what you yeah. might call the, it's a phrase that's getting more popular. I don't mind it actually. It's sort of like the, the weak hands, the paper hands, they're, they're so-called, <laughs> where it's sort of like you you get the, there is, there is no conviction mm. 
behind the investment. Mm. And so mm. I, I bought it because I heard it was good yep. and the share price going up. I tapped some buttons on my smartphone and I'm now a shareholder. Oh, it's going down. What's, what's everyone think? I don't know. I just watched a YouTube video. He reckons it's pretty bad. Oh, is it? Okay, boom, I'm out. And so you get these potentially sort of exaggerated moves um, around that. And again, I don't know if that's a bad thing. Well, for me, <laughs> that's <laughs> right. That's yes, exactly. It's all that matters. <laughs> well, when we say what, what do you do about it, this this is where it matters, right? Because the trades, yes. what's what's the what's the line about making the the, the market your servant, not your master, right? It's it's, yes. it's actually allow you know if you're a shareholder, it kind of sucks because like yep. it's just you know I'm now it's like shareholder or I'm not. But if I was this morning, I'm like. Oh bloody hell! Now I'm a third poorer. Um, now I feel terrible. What should I do? We can tend mm. to want to do something about it as a result, um, but over the long term, as you say, it's potentially an opportunity. Keep going. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just my. I guess my my point being is that you you tend to see some of the more silly prices being fueled or the fire being fanned by the the quote unquote dumb money. It's such a terrible term, but you know what I mean, right? <laughs> yeah. And and. It's a pretty um, condescending term. Well, the, it is. It, except, yeah. except that the people doing it, as you say, if, you, if you're reading Reddit and tapping your Robin Hood app, I, I, I don't want to call you dumb, but I'm not going to call you smart. Well, that, well uh, exactly. But also, I, I think it, 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 it is too favorable to the so-called professional money managers who I would argue <laughs> a very true. significant proportion of dumb money, right? Like there's, you, yep, you yep. peek behind the curtain in a lot of these shops and yep. it's not it's not the geniuses that you might think that are, that are there. Um, yep. But but it does, it, it can exacerbate things. And it's why I think natu- naturally as a, as a person who has sympathy towards <laughs> the value philosophy when it comes to investing, we're always a little bit nervous of stocks that have been on a very aggressive run up yes. because you have momentum is nothing I, I would ever base any investment decision on because it's yep. not a cannonball, right? Like you, can, you can map out That's the trajectory right. of a cannonball to within a millimeter if, you, if you're good at physics, you know, but, but something yeah. could be going up 10% a day for weeks and weeks and weeks and all of a sudden drop 50%. So, so momentum is there until it is not in share prices. I'll die on that hill. So, you know, if you want to have a fight on Twitter, have at me. Um, but, <laughs> but, but, but I, 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 you you do see this as a phenomena and it, it just, I guess the lesson that I want to impart here is that when you see something that is hot and that is running and has a very powerful narrative around it, the lesson isn't don't invest because sometimes that is true and valid and still undercooked in terms of expectation. But very often it's sort of like, it's too late, you know, it's sort of like the, the better part of the gains have been made. Uh, at this stage and you have now got so much expectation built into it Mm. that it's not just got to do well it's got to do better than already very uh, um, heightened expectations for Mm. you to get an outsized return so just be careful out there don't don't buy on hype don't buy something because it's going up very rapidly because the second it disappoints you're going to see something like we saw with nanosonics today and it wasn't a big disappointment in many ways but 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 it was enough to sort of wipe a third of the value of your investment away Mm. i think that's right i think that's right mate i want to finish just with a quick reflection on it almost kind of wraps up what we've been talking about i i I, back to the stage three tax cuts back to the way you think about stocks back to altria and, and nanosonics um, which is a broad sweep, but let me try and let me try and bring that together. Not that we always do at the end; it doesn't have to come to some conclusion. But I wrote an article earlier this week about um, 
Confirmation bias, effectively. And we know about general confirmation bias. And goodness knows I've talked about uh, psychological biases a lot. And still never enough, by the way, because people still fall victim to them, including myself. But there's when you when we re- I was reading on I've been active on Twitter about stage three and there is a lot of stage three commentary which is largely very 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 thinly veiled self interest right mm. it's the I want to, I, I want to believe this thing I do believe this thing I'm going to pretend I believe this thing in any of those circumstances because I want the tax cut and that's you know people are entitled to be self interested as a democracy you vote however you want argue however you want that's completely fine what is though what it, what, it, what it did remind me of is the confirmation bias or the, 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 the tendency to believe those things which A, already make sense to us and B, are in our interest. And I wrote about, and just a couple of examples, right? And, and so this is going to stand directly in the, in the face of Scuttlebutt, which is something we've talked about in the past as well. But I wanted to share it because I had, here's a couple of examples I wrote about. I had a mate who would never buy shares of a particular brewery because he didn't like their flagship beer, right? <laughs> Terrible beer, I'm not going to buy shares. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had someone write to me, I think, email, maybe Twitter, I can't remember, who said, uh, you like this retail uh, stock or this retail company. Uh, I went there and had a terrible experience. So I'm not going to buy the shares. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are the people who believe Elon Musk is God and good luck to them on that one. Uh, and there are people who will say, uh, why haven't Cole is doomed? Because it's unethical. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm going to use all four examples not to say that any of those people were necessarily wrong or right, but to reflect on the fact that they used that worldview to influence their uh, investment without really ever making sure that was a fundamentally true view or scale experience, reality at scale. Mm. And we kind of know this, right? But we make the mistake all the time. I shopped at, I don't know, Coles, and they were really rude, so I'm not going back there. I'm going to sell the shares. I have Harvey Norman shares. I sold them years ago, um, probably, I hope, correctly. But again, I might be you know, ignoring my own bias here because I, I bought online from them a couple of times and it was just a woeful online experience at the time. And I was like, if Harvey Norman haven't got this stuff organized, I know Jerry is a skeptic online. You know, If they can't get this stuff organized, <laughs> what's the chance they're going to beat JB Hi-Fi or Amazon or Kogan to the punch? Mm. And so I went, you know what, that, I'm going to sell it. I had a bad experience a couple of times. Now, if it was, and, and this is where it's important, right? I'm not saying you should ignore it. Scuttlebutt is the opposite, which is if you see lots of people using this thing, if you've had a good experience, then look a bit deeper. But it's that look a bit deeper thing, which is the point I want to make. If my mm. experience with Harvey Norman was replicated by a lot of people, I should absolutely sell those shares because I'm not hiding to nothing. But if I happen to have a you know, rubbish delivery because the courier was late through no fault of Harvey Normans and the store person put the wrong product in the wrong box once, then I'm, I'm using the exception that might prove the rule, but I'm trading on the basis of that exception. If I've decided that Elon Musk is God and can do no wrong, I've allowed myself to you know, ignore the possibility that maybe once every now and again, he made a mistake or mm. Steve Jobs or... Warren Buffett or pick your person. And my point is not, again, my point is not to pick on any of the people who have those views. Ethical investors, same thing. You can choose not to invest in ethical grounds, but when you use that ethical lens to convince yourself that company X can't possibly be a good investment, why do you have coals up from a 64-odd cents to about seven bucks? It's no, it's no more ethically you know, uh, attractive than it was five years ago. And look at the share price. And again, I'm not saying you should invest in white haven coal at all. I'm not saying you're wrong to ignore it. I'm trying to just make that really specific point that... 
it's a form of confirmation bias. It's effectively a validity bias. The the thing you see, the thing you know, the thing you've experienced, is therefore you know the the answer to the the world's problems or or not is the cause of the world's problems. Depending on which way you look at it, uh, and I just thought that's it's just really worth pointing out because you know some people's arguments see through easily. I said the stage three tax cut stuff. Some of the arguments I see made are like either ignorance or uh, a lack of awareness or it's just straight out fig leaf stuff. And again, people are entitled to it. It's their call. But I've got to say, looking at it, I'm like, okay, well, I see where you're coming from here. I get it. You know, mm. on either lens, I want more money because I'm a low income earner. I don't want to pay more tax. I'm a high income earner. Cool. I get it. I don't blame you. That's not policy. That's just that's just barracking and self interest. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, but let's not pretend it's anything more than that. When it comes to investing, just be really, really careful that you're not extrapolating too much from a single experience. Make sure whatever experience you think you're observing or noticing or, or, or aware of or reading about or forming in your own mind is representative before you choose your investment path as a result. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I've I've heard people, I, what the example that comes to mind is uh, the Dirty Bird, uh, KFC. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's illicit, right? Collins yep. Food Group. Yep. You know, it's like, oh, I don't like it. It's yes. so disgusting. That's you know? a great like, well, example. A lot of people do, yep. and I'll put my hand up. I love a Zinger burger, right? <laughs> I, I just it 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 um it 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 doesn't matter what. No company is everything to everyone, and never and never can be, you know. So it mm. it's sort of about it, it. The numbers will tell you a very important story here. Mm. We've had the discussion before. I I've got quite a few. Back now that I think about it, almost all of my companies are what they call B two B. Yeah. In other words, I, I as a consumer can't buy their product because they yeah, sell yeah. to other businesses. <laughs> well, you could, but and you have no use for it. <laughs> yeah, but like, you do know what we do. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I just want one. But You want this enterprise-grade solution for, okay, we'll sell it to you. But don't you have something and, that measures intrusions or something? Or something some kind of, you know- Oh, Ava Risk Group. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, buy buy some of their stuff, put it around the house. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, you know, no one's getting in. Um, <laughs> but, it, but it's- but. I, I guess I would say, yeah, but the numbers will tell you something. I don't have – it's hard for me to have a personal experience with that. But I can well, what I can say objective is like, well, whoever does use it is continuing to using it and more people are continuing to – are deciding or choosing to use it. So there is something there. So, to, you know, with your example, there may, be, there may be things that you just don't like. I don't like the beer. I don't like the shopping experience. I don't like it. But if you are seeing – same store sales growth there on a consistent basis on average across a component cycle there mm. there is a signal that is there that is like well a lot of people do mm. you know look at la visa right like a lot of a lot of people are into their jewelry will go it's just plastic trinkets it's rubbish and like mm. yeah well you know what you're not their target market yes, exactly. the target market yes, that exactly. they have yes, exactly right perfect love example. it perfect they example. love it yep. you know yep. and it's just like who would buy no that one, stuff Plenty of people don't. Yeah, exactly. They don't. They don't. They're under no illusions. They know yeah. it's not a real diamond, yeah. right? You know, it, it doesn't. It looks nice, and I've got something to go to on Saturday night, and it's going to go with this dress, and it's really good. And if I wear it two or three times or once, I've got my money's worth, mm -hmm. and that's all I care about. And are they right or are they wrong? No, of course they're, they're right for their circumstances and their preferences. This mm -hmm. is the beauty of, of capitalism, right? Yes, like exactly. That is, exactly. It's, it's the invisible hand. Is everyone making decisions that are right and appropriate for them, or at least they they feel it's that way, 
And that is that is um, that is what matters. Yeah. I mean, you said before that we're all guilty of it. Oh my gosh, I'm so guilty of it. Do you think I would buy a? What would it take for me to buy a bank, right? And I just <laughs> I cannot do it, right? Because yeah. of my views well, on. Well, I can rob a bank and- than buy one. Let's be honest. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, and and I, well, look today. So far, it's it's been a, a view that I think has been reasonably yeah. well validated, but. Nevertheless, that's the worst you know, part, though, right? Because once it is validated, you're like, "Well, see, I was right not to do that." And it's, it's hard yep. to actually crawl your way back after that point. It's like so. Not only you, you have to challenge your own preconceptions back then, but then yep. since you've had it reinforced day after day, after, see, I was right. I, I, I'm right. Yep. Banks are bad. Yeah, like that, that's, yep. that's even harder to come back from. Yep. And then one day I will wake up, and yeah, it'll yeah. be a different environment, and maybe things get a lot worse before. I don't know, but yeah. I, there's a very good chance that I miss it. I've actually made the comment on this pod before that during the depths of a, if if there is any sort of um, uh, issue in that sector, that they'll probably get much mm. lower. The PE will compress. They'll recapitalize, and that's the point that I would back up the truck. Right? Yes. I've said that yeah. publicly on 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 a podcast. Will I though? Will I? Yeah, yeah. I don't right. know. Exactly. Exactly. That's I'd so like true. to. That's I'd so like true. to think I would because yep. the, 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 the the it makes a huge amount of sense. But I am. I, you can't. All you can do is be aware of this kind of stuff, mm. right? And and I advocate, and I will do this again and again and again, like like a religious zealot because I, I I'm such a believer in it. Is this yeah. is why there is huge value in writing your investment thesis down yeah it'll a it'll force you to be it 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 forces you to think more clearly it'll identify areas Mm -hmm. of weakness but more importantly when things unfold in the future you've got a touchstone to come back to to sort of say well i always said that if this happened i'd be out or if this happened i would be a buyer you know doesn't necessarily means that you will then do it but it it is a nice check and balance on these confirmation biases and, in fact, a whole range of different behavioral kinds of things. It always puts people off because they think, oh, I don't want to write a 400-page mm. dossier. <laughs> Today's right. so a one page. Just to click the button. Yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. What does it do? Why do you like it? Yep. Why do you think shares are cheap? You know, and and, and you you can you can articulate that in a way that makes most sense to you. But do it right because the easiest person to fool is yourself, and you <laughs> will fool yourself. Exactly. <laughs> and it holds you to account. So yeah, I, I that that's the that's that's probably the best and un, and only remedy. I, you'd almost think you have a, uh, a business that uh, allows people to do exactly that. <laughs> you, you'd almost, you'd almost, I, will, I will give you the plug because you've, you've led the horse to water and it, at least I could do is drink. The least I could do as a mate was, is, is have a drink. If I'm not going to tell people what strawman.com is, the least I can say is, eh, Andrew may have just described strawman.com. Well, let, let me just, let me say this, right? Um, it's, it's free, right? Like, and, and if you have a free account, you won't, no one else will sort of see it, but you, you can like, you can bring up a company, write some notes and keep it there and refer to it at a valuation. You know, you can't participate in what others are doing and a lot of the data will be delayed on what everyone else is doing. But if you want just an online mm. diary, then yeah. I wasn't going there, but now that you mentioned it. I was gonna say, you <laughs> didn't stop you. As soon as I opened the door, you went straight through it. And I, I walked no straight through that door. You yep, absolutely. No Mate, uh, <laughs> I, that was a fun, fun podcast. Will you rejoin me on Sunday? Absolutely, looking forward to it. I'm a little bit disappointed we only went for an hour and 15 minutes. We're letting letting the side down, but we'll try and rectify that on Sunday. <laughs> Until then, have a great weekend and full on. Yeah, cheers. 
The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691.